All right, thanks, Tracy. I have an idea for your blessed opportunity. How about instead of a cookie exchange, you do like a, a vegetable buffet? <laughs> Not as good? Yeah, that's what I thought. You'd think about that. Uh, why is it that we don't need to convince people to eat desserts, but we have to convince them to eat vegetables? Why is that? Because they're good for you, that's why, right? We have to convince people to do things that are good for them. We all are willing to do stuff that will like destroy our body. So maybe you'd um, fib to your kids like we did. That's a nice way of saying lying to them, but you don't really want to say you lied to them, so you fib to them. You told them, eat your vegetables and you'll get big muscles, right? Any of you heard that or said that? Yeah, okay, liars all raise their hand now. Uh, so I remember very specifically when our oldest quickly decided and said to me, I don't want big muscles. <laughs> well, that's not worth big muscles right there. So uh, this morning in James 3, I cannot promise you big muscles, but I can promise you this. It will reveal to us the truth we need to know when we are discerning who is wise. Because not everybody wants big muscles, but I'm pretty sure everybody actually would like to be wise and to be considered, not arrogantly so, but to, to be considered wise. Correct? Yeah. So what this text this is the beauty of this text. In the process of revealing who is wise, it will reveal to us how to become that person. It's not a mystery. It's very clear. Now you may go, why did you decide that this text is to tell us who is wise? Well, here was my deep insight. Who among you is wise? See, that's how the verses start. So I didn't have to go, what's this text about? He tells me, here's a question I'm gonna answer. Who's wise and who has understanding? Now, here's a little clue as we read the rest of this passage about who is wise. He's gonna tell us what to look for. Then to what to look out for. In other words, to beware of. And then he's going to go back and give us a things, a list of things to look for. So what to look for, what to look out for, what to look for. Let him show, here's how you know who is wise. Let him show by his good behavior, his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. But now what to look for again. The wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without hypocrisy. And the seed whose fruit, now understand, look up here for a moment, because I, I had to picture this, maybe you're brighter than I am, well I'm sure you are. 
But I was like, what's this verse saying? The seed whose fruit. So every fruit starts with a seed. The seed whose fruit is called what? Righteousness is sown in peace. So how you get to righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So I'm not sure if you're seeing this or not, but big picture, understand this. Wisdom brings forth what? Peace. Peace. That's ultimately how we see wisdom expressed. So what do we need to look for first? What did it say in the opening verse? We need to look for deeds done, verse 13, deeds done in gentleness. It simply took those words from the text. Look for, if you want to know who's wise, or therefore, always make the connection, we want to know who's wise, or if you want to become wise, then do deeds in gentleness. So in other words, let him show by his good behavior, his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. Wisdom's revealed by actions. That's a good observation for us because we typically think wisdom is revealed by smarts. When we think wise people, we often will start, well, who's smart? And that's, that never shows up actually in the text because wisdom is in a whole different category than smart. Smart people like to talk. Wise people do what? They, they act. I always remember when I joined the board at Columbia, the, the new president, Bill Jones at the time said, we're, we're gonna change this from an institution of discussion to an institution of action. That's wisdom. Smart talks, wisdom acts. But did you notice, it acts how? The word there is gentleness. We act wisely when we, because here's what gentleness means, exercising our power under control. See, I, I love this because it reframes my thinking immediately when I'm considering who is wise and, and if I reflect wisdom. It's not an IQ test. It's look at the actions they're not weak, it's not weak, it's power under control. And you know, all of us have seen in our country when power is used, but not used under control. And it's ugly, and it's what? Divisive, that's what we're gonna see. It's divisive, smart talks, wisdom acts but it acts with the power of God indwelling them under control. It's got some restraint to it. You can be powerful and smart and incredibly foolish. And people will know by what you do. 
You don't exercise control. So don't think weak. Don't think discussion. Think strength under control in action. That's what wisdom looks like. That's what we want. Want to be wise? Then let's reveal by actions of the power of God under control. What's going to compete against that? In other words, what's going to make us act foolish? That's what comes next. If you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition, where? In your heart. Why does he say in your heart? (laughs) Because whatever's in our heart comes out of our mouth and our hands (laughs) and the stuff that we do. So you always... You can weed whack (laughs) or you can pull weeds. And he's going, this is jealousy and selfishness are heart issues. If you have it, don't be arrogant and so lie against the truth. We'll unpack that in a moment. This wisdom, in other words, the actions that come from where? Jealousy and selfishness Uh, It's not which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, demonic. Where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. So I hope this is clear. What are we looking for? We're looking for action with power under control. What are we looking out for? In other words, being cautious about. He says... Two things, jealousy and selfishness. And again, we're not just looking out at other people, we're looking out within our own heart and recognizing at core when I'm jealous and selfish, I will act foolish. It's the opposite of wisdom. When I'm jealous, And selfish, I do stupid stuff. I act like a fool. And the evidence of jealousy and selfishness, disorder and every evil thing. You see that? I love how the the scripture just tells us, if you got this in your heart, then... Recognize those are the roots of disorder and all sorts of evil. So when, very practically, when I look for wisdom, I recognize a divisive man, a divisive woman, they don't have wisdom. They have jealousy or selfishness in here. And there are always, the scripture just tells us, there will always be in the church those who are divisive. Those who, and it talks it this way, those who wrangle over words. Maybe you know somebody, or maybe you are that somebody in your family, divisive. It has roots. It's called jealousy 
and selfishness. And those roots, here's what the scripture told us, they're not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it's earthly, natural, demonic. In other words, there is wisdom that is spiritual. It's, it's supernatural. It's godly. And that is gentle, action-oriented, not rooted in, in jealousy and selfishness. I think, I think maybe not for you, but when, when I got into this verse, I was like, yeah, I get it, earthly, natural. And then this one was like, demonic, whoa, a little over the top, James, don't you think? Did that, did that not throw any of you to go, demonic, wow, that's a little extra. What's he mean that it's demonic? <laughs> that means if you have jealousy and selfishness, you are demon-possessed? You're a demon? Well, if that's true, <laughs> see, see, it's not that, it's, that it makes you demonic. It's saying that's the, the source. In other words, if you know the biblical account, you'll recognize this quickly. If not, let me just set it up for you that, that when God created heavens and the earth, and he created everything on it, and he created us, he, he repeatedly said, and it was, was good. And then the scripture gives us this picture of an angel who saw and was jealous. He wanted the glory that God deserved. And we know that angel be Lucifer, Satan, the devil. And he's simply saying, when we live out of a heart of jealousy and selfishness, we are living according to the pattern of Satan. It's where the source is. And we don't like to think that. That seems too harsh for us civil, nice people. But that's the harsh reality. It's demonic source, reflection, when there's jealousy and selfishness here driving my decisions. It's simply his very direct, clear way of saying jealousy and selfishness, they're traits of those who have not been redeemed. They are still children of the devil, which is what Jesus described the unredeemed as. They're still living according to the DNA of the devil. And to be born again is to receive adoption and to receive not only a new family, but now I have, by the Holy Spirit living in me, I now have the DNA of the Father. And when I have the DNA of the Father, but I still live with jealousy and selfishness, it doesn't make me unredeemed necessarily, though if you listen to Robbie's story, he was saying it was jealousy and bitterness in my heart to what other people had and that I didn't have that helped him realize he was not born again. But does that mean that redeemed people 
are never bitter or never jealous or never selfish. No. It just means we're living according to unredeemed traits. We're not living according to who we've made to be in Christ. See, jealousy is not this little thing that some people have every once in a while. Jealousy is constantly in front of us. I mean, we look across the street and we can be jealous. We can look across the office and be jealous. We can look at another family or another family photo and be jealous. We can look at another personality and be jealous. As a pastor, I can look at another church and see what God is doing there and be jealous. You can look at your work and look at somebody else's work and be jealous that you don't get the recognition that they get. Or you're not succeeding like they're succeeding. Or your spouse isn't like that spouse. Or your family isn't like that family. Or your house, you get it? Just acknowledging that jealousy is always a real issue in our, in our hearts. And it's in our hearts, and catch this, it's in our hearts because it's an offense to the goodness of God that we sang about this morning. You understand that's what jealousy is? It's an offense to the goodness of God. It's like, he's holding out on me. If he really loved me, then I'd be blessed like, like they're blessed. And I've simply had to acknowledge when I look at what God is doing in another church and, and I'm jealous, I'm a fool. And if I allow that to stay there, what will I do? Foolish stuff. When I look at another family, I'm jealous, I'll do foolish stuff. I look at another personality and go, I wish I had that personality. I wish I had those gifts. Ever been jealous of somebody else's gifts? Maybe you haven't. I have. And recognize when I'm when I do that, what am I? You can say it. I'm a fool. You, I, I'm a fool. And when I'm a fool, I do foolish things. See, I just want to weed the. I just want to weed whack and go. I want to. I want to stop doing foolish stuff. Well, you know how you stop doing foolish stuff? You stop being a fool. Because <laughs> fools do foolish stuff. And I'm a fool when I'm selfish and I'm jealous. And those are real temptations every single day of our life. They're traits of the unredeemed. If you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition, how many of us could simply say, can we just say when? <laughs> when we have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, don't be arrogant. What's he mean? Uh, don't be arrogant and so lie against the truth. I don't know what's been wrestling in your heart as, as I've scrolled through some of the things that we might be jealous about. But here's what he's warning against. That when we 
acknowledge and we see jealousy. You know what our, our arrogance, our pride does? <laughs> it justifies them. Because I, I know some of you, when I said, you're jealous of another family, you immediately thought, yeah, but. Or jealous at work, yeah, but. And, and here's, here's maybe one of the most important things from this text. Because it's speaking specifically about bitterness, uh, jealousy, and selfishness. But here's what my pride will always demand I do. Hold on to my sin. Justify my sin. Been selfish in your marriage and had good reason? That's what your pride told you. Been so jealous at work. And your pride said, but you are better. You do deserve more. Right? See, he's simply acknowledging, don't, when it's there, don't be arrogant and lie against the truth. Don't justify it. So if I don't justify it, if I'm not going to lie against it, what's my other option? Agree with it. Agree. Agree that that is in my heart. And when I agree with my sin and agree with the truth that that has no place in this redeemed heart, then, yeah, I heard some of you say it. Then I confess it. So now that if you're tracking with me, here's what wise people do, because we want to be wise. Wise people don't talk, just talk. <laughs> there is talk. They don't just talk. They act in the power of God under control. And when they see jealousy and when they recognize selfishness, in their heart, what do they do? They confess it. See, I don't want you to hear, hey, the wise people in the room are never ever jealous or selfish. Because now we just emptied the room. <laughs> the wise people in the room agree, ah, oh, I'm a fool when I hold on. See, when we sang that song, Not My Will, Your Will Be Done, we sang that Thursday night. I just heard this week of a good friend who was here Thursday night dealing with cancer and had a six to 18 month window left. And I just recognized how hard it would be to sing that song in that moment. And how hard it would be not to just take that small step forward and not be jealous of those who have had 
good health and have good health or have experienced healing and not go, why not me, Lord? And so it's humble confession to go in the face of my jealousy, not my will, but your will be done. See what I'm saying? (laughs) Wise people, and Jesus was wise, and in the face of the cross, and not just the physical agony, agony, as terrible as it was, in the face of the payment for the sin of all the world, he said, if possible, (laughs) let this cup pass from me. But not my will, but your be done. Your will be done. So when there's jealousy, when there's selfishness, Lord, I confess. So we don't always do this, but before we continue in the text, let's bow together. And, and where there's jealousy, I don't need to repeat it. You know it now where you recognize jealousy or selfishness in your heart. Would you agree with the Lord and and confess it? Just give you a few moments of quiet. Lord, thank you for putting the mirror in front of us, for for revealing to us this morning through your word what's in our heart, for taking us to the next step of our propensity to justify it. I thank you that, that your promise is if we confess our sin we confess our jealousy, if we confess our selfishness, you are faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us. And so doing, Lord, to save us, to guard us from foolish, divisive, evil actions. So thanks for meeting us, even now in this moment. Thanks for the privilege to respond to you, to cry out to you, and to know that you are a good, good God. And that you're not only, as we declared, the God of a second chance, but the third, the fourth, the fifth, the 50th. That we can come to you and to say again, Lord, been a fool. I am a fool. I confess it. I trust you. I trust your way. I trust your wisdom. I trust that if I lose my life for your sake, that I'll find it. I trust that you are working all things together for good for those who love you and are called according to your purposes. I trust that you don't withhold any good thing, that as you've declared, that every good and perfect gift comes from above. 
So thank you, Lord. And would you, would you sensitize our spirits and our hearts in the coming days that jealousy wouldn't bloom foolishness in our life, but the seed and the selfishness, the seed of it would be, according to the conviction of your spirit, seen early, confessed quickly. And it'd be a blessing to our spouses and to our workplace and to our families and to this church because we walk in wisdom. Thanks for grace upon grace upon grace each day. In Christ's name, amen. So if when we're wise, we act in the power of God and gentleness. When we see the seeds of jealousy and selfishness, we confess. And then we look for this. The wisdom from above, opposite of what we just read, the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy. So this list right here of what wisdom looks like in an individual's life. So we gotta lay our lives now uh, alongside this and go, uh, is this, are these are the things that mark my life? Because the seed, remember? The seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So the wise, You know them by this harvest of fruit. And that fruit is called righteousness. There's this harvest of righteousness that marks their life by how they live. And that harvest of righteousness begins where? First, pure. Why first, pure? Now, it doesn't say these words, so if you choose to disagree, no problem. I think he says first pure because repeatedly in James, he is always starting with the, the heart and then everything that comes out of the heart. And so based on James being so much a mirror of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart. I think what he's saying here is wisdom begins first with pure what? A pure heart. Righteousness results from a life marked by first, and first matters here because I think he's addressing purity of heart. In other words, I cannot make my heart pure. I can spray it with the perfume of civility and niceness, but I cannot make my heart pure. I can only look to Jesus to do for me what I cannot do for myself. You understand you can't make your heart pure? 
We are so much of a, of a culture that of do it yourself, make yourself better, self help that I don't want us to think, please listen, listen, please, to think that we can make ourselves wise. Wisdom begins first with purity of heart. And therefore, when I'm looking for the wise, I have to first say, who has been born again? This is why, again, this is a whole other tangent that I'm going to say quickly, <laughs> of why Paul says, stop going to the world's courts to resolve your problems. Is there no wise person among you that should resolve this? Wisdom should mark the people of God in a manner that anybody, quite frankly, who has not been born again cannot reflect. See, the power of the gospel makes us pure of heart so that then we can become wise. And imagine if every person in here and over in north and every person watching online who was born again would grow in wisdom, that this would be a storehouse of wisdom. And then you all went to work and to school and home. And we're known, wherever you live, wherever you work, as wise. And it became understood that it all started because of what Jesus did in making you pure of heart. See, that's the power of the gospel. And how when the gospel changes a heart and then the church, the community of people been transformed by the gospel, grow in that wisdom, then go bless a culture. See, bless is not some little silly thing we're trying to promote. Bless is being the church, salting the culture. So it starts with purity of heart and then this list of pursuing peace, peaceable. This is not internal peace. I feel peace. I feel good about this decision. This is relational peace. You pursue, wise people pursue peace. Remember the seed sown in peace for peace. Righteousness marked by purity of heart. And once I, God and I are at peace, now I can live as a peacemaker relationally. Thoughtful consideration. Because quite frankly, nothing makes relational peace like thoughtful consideration. Does the scripture confirm that? Elsewhere, yeah. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interest of others. You see, thoughtful consideration marks 
those who are pure of heart because it is the pathway to how we pursue peace. Now, can we always make peace? No. Some people you just can't make peace with. That is outside the circle of your control. But what is within the circle of your control is what? Thoughtful consideration. And acts of mercy and goodness. Mercy. Not always giving people what they deserve. Not always living by your rights. You want to be divisive? Always demand your rights because they're yours. And you will be miserable to live with. Seriously. People who always demand their lives. When we live like that, we are just miserable people. Thoughtful consideration, acts of mercy, acts of goodness. Full of mercy, good fruits, and then unwavering without hypocrisy are the final two, he says. A wise person, unwavering, it's the same word he used earlier when he said living with impartiality. In other words, I'm just not thoughtfully considerate of my favorites. Because some people you go, yeah, I'm thoughtfully considerate of them. We can do that, right? We're thoughtfully considerate of them. That person, no. Nope, not them. He's saying unwavering meaning you are, you live with impartiality and without hypocrisy. In other words, just not words again. It is a a consistency of application, not only to the person, but to the circumstance. Wise people have consistent lives. And I think you know that almost intuitively. People who are like, you're like, "Mm, I'm not sure I'm going to catch them on a good day. (laughs) People who are steady, you have greater trust in. Unwavering without hypocrisy. So are you wise? Can you grow in wisdom? See, if I could, I could just make a, a last comment about this list. Sometimes list can kill us. Ever feel that? I, I, I sense this. Every time I get to a list in scripture and I start walking it through, I watch the sincere idealist in the room go, And you know how we usually deal with that weight? We say things like this, we'll pick one and work on it. Is that, okay, oxygen. That's not what the scripture's calling us to, folks. The scripture 
teaches us, Jesus is not here to help us with the hard. The Spirit of God has been given to us to make the impossible possible. So I, I fully recognize that what, what happened this morning, if you were really tracking with me, is yes, I want to be wise. Okay, yeah, I can deal with what's in my heart. All I have to do, uh, I guess I'll never be wise. See, if you're not overwhelmed, <laughs> you've just learned to go, well, I'll just do my best. The list will overwhelm us. And so can I remind you of this? Every command of God has embedded in it. Remember this a couple weeks ago? Every command of God has embedded in it the promise of God. Be wise. He is wise. Be at peace. He is our peace. Be self-controlled. That is the fruit of the Spirit. Be consistent. <laughs> he is eternally unchanging. You understand what I just said? Everything that God has called you and I to be, he is. And he is in us. That's why we can be wise. Because of not our determination, but because of the power of the Holy Spirit in us. So I hope the list defeated you. Actually, I do. I hope it defeated you so that you would now be able to say, Lord, I need you. Because anytime we don't think we need the Lord, we're going to pull off a counterfeit deal that's not going to last. <laughs> so I wonder if you just bow with me. And let's not shrink back from anything and all that God has called us to do. Let's just acknowledge Lord, this is overwhelming. I can't be all those things. But thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That you are the one who is faithful. See who's called us. He will bring it to pass. Lord, we humbly acknowledge and admit we do need you. So let's simply make that our prayer. I confess bowing here I find my rest without you I fall apart You're the one Who guides my heart Cause Lord I need you Oh I need you Every hour I need you My one 
to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence for by these things he has granted to us all of us his precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature taste and see that the hope that we can have, that we have Christ in us that, to accomplish all these things that he's asked us to do. And when we go and we have a posture of understanding our need for him, then we experience his sufficiency in that. So I, I pray that that would be true of us as we go today. I hope you have a blessed day. If we can pray for you, we have men and women between the auditoriums that would love to pray for you. Uh, God bless. See you next time.